Isn't this a beautiful group behind me here? Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful group? Yeah. That's just wonderful. Uh, but uh, Russ, as you all probably know, uh, I think he and his family are uh, taking a weekend off, and uh, we're glad for that. Everybody needs to recoup. I hope everybody had a, a great fourth. And uh, it was difficult this year to figure out. A lot of people couldn't figure if the fourth was the week before, since it was on Sunday, or the week after, you know. But it's good to have y'all uh, here with us today and uh, as we get back together again. It, it is nice. And uh, as far as announcements, uh, Mark Moses is going to be here tonight uh, talking to us. And uh, so we want to invite you uh, to come back for that. And, uh, of course, we have a whole uh, session planned, and I think our youth are going to be taking care of the music this morning, so we're glad to have them with us, too, and tell us about some other things that are going on. Okay? Would you all pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had and do have right now, Lord, to come into your house. We thank you for all the love and uh, that you have given us, Lord, sending your son into the world uh, to die for us as sinners as we are, Lord, as poor as we are. Lord, we, we know that you love us because of that, and we thank you so much for it. Lord, we want to dedicate this time that we have now, this next hour, Lord, that we have to you uh, for your honor and your glory. Lord, forgive us of our sins and where we fail you, and we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.
Good morning, New Hope family. Man, I got a bunch of music notes up here. I hope you don't expect me to sing. <laughs> Holy moly. I'm just going to shift these just a little bit. First and foremost, I'm going to talk off the cuff just a minute. Then I'm going to tell you who I am. As a church, listen to me. Janet and I are in numerous churches throughout the year. I have the privilege to do supply and interim work. You don't know how blessed you are to have these young people. Not just in the house of God, but plugging into worship and leading you in worship. We go into so many churches where we are the young people. And I'm 48 years old. Praise God. Yeah, I don't look that old. Do it. Hang on just a second. Let me. Not a day over 18, I know. But you do not have a clue how blessed you are. I had tears in my eyes as they were leading us in worship this morning. They're not standing up here to put on a show. They're just loving Jesus, and you're getting blessed because of it. And I want to thank you for a church. I pray that there are individuals in these churches, that this church, that are walking alongside of each of these young people. There was somebody in my life that walked alongside of me, and that's where I'm because of where I'm at today. And I want to praise you as a church for this group of young people. It excites me. But it also saddens me, the churches that I go into, and I don't see that. I am Joey Hamrick. Um, some of you know me. I know many of you here. I see a lot of new faces, which is pretty awesome. Uh, my wife, Janet, of 21-plus years is here with me. We have the privilege to do a lot of supply work. I shared that with you. We go into churches a lot of times to help with the healing and hurting things, but I also do a lot of filling when you allow your pastor to be away. And that's something else I want to praise you for, for allowing Russ to be away, to do some time of just family, get away, rest, relax. Hey, hey I'm going to put it in words you can understand. Just get away from y'all for a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. He needs that. But you know what? We all need that time of getting away. We all need that time of stepping back. I've got a serious question for you this morning. It's on the cover of your bulletin. And I want to tell you something. I'm blown away by this here bulletin this morning. Because on this second page are these Bible quizzes and these little uh, word finds. If you adults are sitting out there doing that, that's cool because I want to be standing up here doing it right now too. But that's an awesome way to plug in, but it's also a way to keep our minds sharp. This isn't just for kids. I was sitting there and Janet said, yeah, I might be doing this while you're preaching today. And it wouldn't surprise me if she is. But that's pretty awesome. Thank you all. Question. Are you in survival mode or are you in revival mode? As an individual and as a church, are you in survival mode? Are you just getting by? Are you living in the mediocre life? Or are you in revival mode where you are fired up about who Jesus is in your life? I'm going to tell you a very sad statistic before I go any farther. Most churches and most Christians are just getting by. Most churches that I walk into and I have the privilege to stand behind this pulpit are just hanging on by a thread. Very few that I go into are truly fired up about Jesus and moving forward in kingdom work. God help us all. In a world that is desperate for the message of Christ, we continue to be less diligent in sharing the good news. May God forgive us and give us a new passion to reach the world for Christ. Dr. Frank Page, who is the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee, made this statement in 2016 after these statistics were read. Listen to this. This is 2015 statistics. We added as a convention 294 new churches, but we lost 200,000 plus in average Sunday weekly attendance. 
we average one baptism for every 52 members that sits in a Southern Baptist church on Sunday morning. 2015. 2016. We added 479 new churches, but we lost 376,372 people in average weekly attendance on a Sunday morning. Baptisms dropped to 280,000, which meant it took one baptism for every 54 members. Baptisms. That's how we record salvations. That's how we put a number beside of people that have been converted to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, well, George, those are old numbers. They sure are. You want the new ones? This year's annual report at Southern Baptist Convention last month in Nashville, Tennessee, baptisms had fallen to 235,748 for the year 2019. We didn't record in 2020 because of the COVID crisis. Nine billion, 600 million $108,179 was given into the Southern Baptist Convention through cooperative program churches. It meant it took $40,792 to see one conversion. One person come to know the Lord. 62, listen to me, members to see one person saved. Out of a congregation this size sitting here this morning, that's about one and a half salvations for everybody in here. Somebody's not telling somebody about Jesus. You know who that is? That's us. That's the church of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. It's clear that evangelism and discipleship are waning. I don't believe it's due to a lack of opportunities. Instead, I truly believe it's a lack of engagement. I wish that had been what I said because that's what I believe. Tom Rainer made that statement, former president of Lifeway. I'm not here to tell you about statistics. I'm here to tell you about the truth. We are in survival mode, and we don't have to be. We are in survival mode. My passion is for the local church. My passion is to see the local church being what God's called it to be. My passion to see the local church means that I'm here to see that you are being who you're called to be in Jesus Christ. God loves us to plant new churches. I'm a firm believer in church planting, but I don't think he is concerned with us planting new churches as he is us living up to what he's called us to do in the first place. Doing what he's already told us to do. Doing what he's already called us to. So here's the issue, and this is my statement. If you don't hear anything else, know that this is from my heart. The issue is that there is no power coming from the lives of us as believers, and I point the hands back to me too. I'm preaching to myself. No power in the pews, if you will. We've either forgotten or we've never claimed, listen to this, our purpose driven by our desire being delivered in a presentation to a lost and dying world. A couple other facts you need to hear from evangelist heart. Less than 10% of all professing Christians have ever shared their faith one time. It gets worse. Less than 1% of all professing Christians have ever led someone else to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Less than a percent. Conviction, indictment, absolutely. I believe with the Holy Spirit's leading today, we can look at a great example that we're going to find in the book of Acts. And we can realize our planned purpose, driven by our pure passion to understand the powerful presentation that we have for other people. New Hope, I'm going to tell you today, I have a feeling you're sitting here in survival mode. I have a feeling you're sitting here doing things like you've always done. There's some mediocrity going on. There's some things happening. I don't know this church like you know this church. 
But I'll tell you what, I know by the fact that there's empty pews and there's not people busting down the doors, we're not doing what God's called us to do. And I see it everywhere I go, even in our home church. So if you will, turn with me to the book of Acts. It's there in your, in your bulletin, Acts chapter 8. This is a wonderful passage of Scripture that I think will get us on track. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to the desert, Gaza. So he got up and he went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch, and a high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and he said, do you understand what you are reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so did he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch replied to Philip, I ask you, who is this prophet speaking of, himself or another person? So Philip proceeded to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning from that scripture. And as they were traveling down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then he ordered the chariot to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him any longer. But he went on his way rejoicing. Philip appeared in Azotus, and passing through, he was evangelizing all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you for the message that you've poured into my heart today. Lord, my prayer is that you'll just simply move me out of the way. Lord, allow your spirit to have full reign through my life and my heart, but also through this congregation today. May you do what only you can do, and we praise you and we give you the honor for that this morning. In Christ's name, amen. A great inspiring passage of scripture. But who is this Philip guy? Who is this Philip that comes on the scene here in verse 26? Philip was Philip the deacon. He was Philip the evangelist. He wasn't Philip the apostle. This was one of the first seven called to lead the New Testament church along with Stephen. It says in Acts chapter 6, he was a man of good reputation. He was full of the Spirit. He was full of wisdom. He is a strong believer in Jesus Christ because of what he had seen and had happened in his own life. We also know that he was an evangelist. Acts 8, 4 through 8, we see in those verses that he got a call from the angel to go south. But in our text today, the angel told him to get up and go south. Get up from what? Get up from what? Philip, listen to this, was in the middle of an earth-shattering revival. Philip was preaching to the masses in Samaria where the Jew didn't go. He was preaching to the masses. People were being healed. Demons were being cast out. As the late Jerry Clyer once said, Philip was waxing eloquent in his preaching. He was flat out putting it on them. And then the angel came and said, get up and go south. Acts 8, 4 through 8 says, those who were scattered went on their way proclaiming the message of good news. What happened there? The church in Jerusalem, they had just, just stoned Stephen. Everyone's scared. Everyone needs to get out of town. We're next. We're next. We're followers of the way. We got to get out of the way. So they did. They ran. Did they run and hide? 
It says here, listen to this, they went on their way proclaiming the good news. In the midst of persecution, they kept on telling people about Jesus. They kept on preaching the word. They kept on telling. You know what? In our life, when we get a little bit of persecution pushing on us, and I'm going to tell you what, COVID-19 was a little bit of persecution on us. What did we do? Stopped. I don't find that in the scripture. That's another sermon for another day. He says he went on down to Samaria and he preached the Messiah to them. The crowds paid attention with one mind to what he said. He heard and saw signs that he was doing and performing. Unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice come out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed. The lame were healed and there was great joy in that city. People were getting set on fire for the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the midst of persecution, Jesus was still reigning. He got it going on. And an angel comes to Philip and says, I need you to go south to the desert road. I'm just going to tell you, I am stubborn, pig-hearted, pig-headed, independent, pig-hearted sometimes too. And if you look at my wife, she's nodding her head right now. I'm not looking over there. I can promise you that. I would instantly say, God, you pick somebody else. You don't understand. Listen, what I'm doing for you over here, I can't leave. I've got a good thing going. I got people getting saved hand over fist over here, and you want me to go to the desert road. Did he hesitate? Did he refuse? Verse 27, listen to this. He got up and went. No question, no qualm, no argument, no rebuke, no excuses. He simply obeyed God. I'd have had some questions for God. I'd have said, God, you, you just don't understand what you're asking me to do. I mean, I'm in, a, I'm in a perfect place of ministry. I'm, a, I'm comfortable. And, I mean, I see the fruit the altars pull every time I get up and preach. But you want me to go to the desert road. Philip understood that partial obedience was still disobedience. What did he give up? All the comforts of great joy in that city. All the protection that he had because he's in the midst of a foreign land preaching the gospel and people getting saved. But it was because Philip understood our point number one, our planned purpose. Philip understood that his number one purpose that God designed before he ever created him was to glorify him. And it didn't matter what God called him to do, he was ready to do it. Are we there? Are we there as individuals? If you're not there as an individual, I promise you the church is not there because you are the church. Are you ready to do what God's called you to do? He understood it wasn't about him 1 Corinthians 10, 31, the Apostle Paul says, Whatever you do, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do in everything, glorify God. If we would simply realize that every day of every breath of our life, we would get things right. The world would be in a better place. Masses would be filling our churches. We'd be building new buildings, all right, because we couldn't keep them in the ones that we got. And we'd see people set on fire for Jesus Christ in a way that we've never seen before. If we would simply do that one thing, understand our plan and purpose, and that's to glorify him. In our words, our thoughts, our deeds, everything. Jesus himself, what did he say? Everything I will do so that I will glorify my Father through me. Church, there's something here I want to ask you. Is God calling you somewhere or to some person? If you're a blood-bought child of God this morning, he is. 
plain and simple, calling you to go to something, someone, or someplace. Where is it and who is it? You're not going to go sitting in the pew of this church. You're not going to go sitting in your comfort zone. I'm not going to go in my comfort zone. And if I stay there, I will not be glorifying him and neither will you. What were the last words Jesus spoke to us? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, the great commission. What did he say? As you are going, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything. And lo, I'm with you always. And right before he ascended into heaven, Acts 1, 8, and you shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And, listen, you will be. It wasn't an option. My witness, that's what he called us to do. Where? In Jerusalem, where they were at. Judea, just outside of town. Samaria, that place you don't want to go, and to the ends of the earth. It's an and situation. It's not an either or. That command to us. But I'm afraid that we, the church, have looked at this as the great omission because we're failing in our task. Our planned purpose is to glorify God. Why are we not doing what Jesus told us to do? Philip was doing just that. Verses 27, 28, he said, when he got to the desert road, listen to this, he encountered an Ethiopian eunuch. So he gets there on this desert road, not knowing why he's going. No, listen, nobody traveled this road. This road from down through Gaza, nobody used it anymore. It wasn't a means of commerce. It wasn't a means where anybody would just happen to be hanging out. It wasn't the strip, as you say. But he says he saw an Ethiopian eunuch. By chance, by happenstance, absolutely not. It was by divine appointment. Before the creation, listen to me, before the creation of the world, I believe God put that circumstance in place because he is a sovereign eternity to an eternity God. He had the divine appointment waiting for him. That's why he sent the angel and told him to go south to the desert road. If God's telling you to go somewhere, he's already there, church. He's already where he's telling you to go. He's already at that neighbor's house. He's already at that co-worker's place of business. He's already at that family member across the table from you. He's there. You just got to be willing to go meet him. God placed this opportunity before Philip, and he places those same opportunities before us every day. Do we take them? I fail miserably at that. I pray and ask for them, and then I kind of turn my hand to those things I don't want to encounter. Every person that crosses your path, not in the notes, this is free. You don't have to pay for this one. Every person that crosses your path is your responsibility. Every person for something in the kingdom work. Every person. Every person that comes through the doors of that church is this church's responsibility for something in kingdom work. He sees this Ethiopian eunuch. He can hear him. He, he doesn't know what's really going on. And in verse 29, the spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. The word join here is a great Greek word, kaleo. Kaleo. It means to go glue together, to cement yourself, to in, in literally to become one. He told Philip, go get up in that chariot. Listen, first of all, this was a foreigner. That's South Cleveland County English right there. He's a foreigner. He was from Ethiopia. He evidently wasn't one like Philip. I promise you he was probably very dark-skinned. They didn't look alike, sound alike, act alike. And here he is in a chariot with his entourage because this was a high official. He had a lot of entourage with him. He had gone with the permission of Queen Candace to go into Jerusalem and worship. So evidently he had been converted to Judaism. 
And now the Spirit not only told him to go south to the desert road, but then he says, go get in that chariot. I want you to go over there with that person that don't look like you, don't act like you, don't smell like you, and has got all these other people around him. I want you to go get in his chariot. Philip's got to be saying, God, you've got to be crazy now. But he didn't say it, church. Listen, he immediately obeyed. The scripture says he even ran to the opportunity. He didn't leave this kind of, okay, if I happen to walk by that chariot, I'm going to stop. No, he ran straight to it. That opportunity that just popped into your mind, are you ready to run to it? Are you ready to run to it? He went and joined that chariot. How did he do that? Why did he do that? Yes, he understood that he needed to glorify God, but the point number two that I want you to understand is he also understood his pure passion was in Jesus himself. We are passionate about a lot of things. I am passionate about food. I love to eat. This 240 right here, it didn't happen overnight. I'm going to tell you what, I put a lot of time and effort into this. I may not be the healthiest one in here, but I'm sure, you see my friends, y'all know where they're at in this congregation, don't you? I'm passionate about my wife. I love my wife of 21 years. But I'm also passionate about sharing the good love that Jesus poured into my life with other people and telling other people about it and teaching them how to learn to share their faith. But there's things that we get passionate about in our churches out of the notes, another freebie, Holy Spirit does this. We get passionate about things that are selfish for us. Good things in the church. Things we do in the church that maybe we've always done. We're doing this for Jesus. We're doing it for the Lord. No, we're doing it for ourselves. Pat me on the shoulder. Pat me on the back. But Philip was simply driven by a pure passion of who Jesus was to him. Not for what Jesus could do for him, but for who Jesus was. If we understand that passion and allow that passion to drive us, Satan and the gates of hell better look out. Because the church will be on a mission like it's never been before. Loving Jesus like Jesus called us to love him. Understanding that pure passion. When you and I discover or rediscover our first love in Jesus Christ, and we renew that pure passion, then we will exhibit that same obedience. We won't question God. We won't debate God. We'll simply go and do what he's told us to do because we love him that much. When we have the pure passion for Jesus, we'll also have his heart for the lost. I pray that prayer for myself sometimes reluctantly. Because sometimes I don't want Jesus to give me his heart because Jesus looks over a multitude of sins in everybody's life, including my own. We'll also have his eyes for the hurting. We'll be able to see through the actions and reactions of people to understand it's something going on in the heart. It has nothing to do with who they are. We'll have his hands to minister and serve. We'll have his words to share hope. We'll have his power to tell his story. And we'll be in perfect tune with our Savior. We'll be in perfect timing as we're walking down the road and he says, go south to the desert road and we'll go. A great story, a great example I heard as a kid when I was growing up. Horace Scruggs and my dad were dear friends. You know, Horace Scruggs, the late Horace Scruggs, was the brother to Earl Scruggs, famous banjo player from Cleveland County. When they were growing up, Horace played the flat top guitar, Earl played the banjo. And you know how they got good? They'd start at the front steps, and they had a square box, cracker box house. 
And they start at the front steps and they would leave and they would each go a different way around the house playing the same song. And when they got to the back steps of the house, which was literally 180 degrees from where they started, if they were on the same note, they knew they had got it down pat. But if they were not in time, guess what they did? They went back to the front steps and started all over again. Are we in time with our Savior? Are we walking in tune with Jesus today? Some of us need to go back to the front steps. Some of us need to go back to that first encounter with Jesus Christ this morning. Some of us need to understand that pure passion that we have. Philip begins to engage this unlikely candidate for salvation. Philip, I'm sure, is wondering, what in the world am I doing talking to this foreigner? And he goes up to him, and he asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And Philip began explaining to him Isaiah 53. As a sheep is led to the slaughter, he began to tell him what that was, and he began to tell him about Jesus, and that's who the prophet was speaking of. And that's where Philip began to deliver our point number three, our powerful presentation. He understood his purpose was to glorify God. His passion was in Jesus himself. And now he delivered a powerful presentation. He took the scripture right where they were and began to tell him about Jesus. He began to take this new friend, this unlikely person, and witness to him right where he was. We need to learn to do that. Not everybody's been in church for 48 years like I have. Not everybody we encounter is at the same point in their life as we are in understanding the scripture in our relationship. Even believers. We need to take people right where they are. We teach evangelism all the time. Our ministries cross forward ministries and we travel around and teach you evangelism tools and how to take the simple things in life and share the faith that you have with other people. I tell people all the time, you can tell his story because it's your story. The greatest thing you can share with anybody else is the testimony of what Jesus has done for you. Nobody can dispute it. Nobody can take it away from you. It's the gospel truth for you. And when you begin to understand that, just like Philip was doing with this Ethiopian eunuch, you will see lives change and you will see the world set on fire for him. And you'll begin to move out of that survival mode into revival mode, which is where Christ is calling the church today. Philip began to share with him just as he was there. The words of encouragement from Isaiah. But then he went on to begin to share his testimony. How he had seen God physically do things through the prophets. How he had been able to see those things with his own hands. I'm sure he went back and said, look dude, you'll never believe what I just came from in Samaria. Man, people were getting saved. Lives were being changed. Demons were being cast out. People were getting healed. Listen, the same thing can happen for you today. And that's what he said to that eunuch, I'm sure. And lives were changed for all eternity. And I'm sure he told him about what Jesus did in his own life. And I know that from the passage of Scripture because what does it say? Verse 36, they were traveling down the road. They came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? You go back to the book of Isaiah, there's one reference to Holy Spirit baptism. I doubt that's what the eunuch was speaking of. I firmly believe that Philip was telling him about his baptism encounter. As he accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, as he went into the water to symbolize burying that old self and being raised anew to new life. And the Ethiopian said, that's what I want. I want the same thing that you got. Here's some water. What would keep me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe. It's that simple, church. It's that simple. Believe that Jesus is who he said he was. Believe that what he did on that cross was for you. Believe that that shed blood covered your sins and you believe it in your own life. Repent of those things that you've been hanging on to and turn and run towards him. 
That's how simple it is. He knew his plan purpose was to glorify God. He was driven by his passion simply to love Jesus, and he delivered a powerful presentation which resulted in the salvation of a foreigner, a foreign gentleman, a foreign official from Ethiopia. Remember Acts 1.8, and you shall receive power? Philip didn't do it on his own. You won't do it on your own either. The power of the Holy Spirit will do all that you need to do. You simply must go and open your mouth. You simply must go and open your hands and your heart to those that need you. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power unto salvation for those that believe, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. The power is in this right here, the gospel message, the good news that lived out in your life. This eunuch literally got saved in the desert road. With all his officials around, the driver of his chariot, because he wasn't driving his own chariot, because he told the chariot to stop. All of these other people, and he was unashamed. I think there's too many sitting in the pew today that are a little bit ashamed of who Jesus is. You know why? I don't hear and see him talking about who saved him. I don't hear and see him moving in mighty ways, seeing these same miracles. I believe that the Holy Spirit that was alive and well in the New Testament is still in the same church today. And he's in every one of us that claims to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. What are we doing with him? What happened when that Ethiopian eunuch got back to Ethiopia? We'll never know to eternity. We'll never know how many times they stopped on that desert road for him to lead somebody else to the Lord. Do you understand what just took place? All of Acts 1.8 was fulfilled in Philip's life. Every bit of it. After that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where he started and he got kicked out. He got persecuted. So what did he do? He jumped on over to Samaria where the foreigners don't, end, they don't go in there. Then what did he do? He started talking about the ends of the earth to the Ethiopian. And you said, wait a minute, you missed Judea. No. Verse 40 says, Philip appeared in Azotus and passing through, he was evangelizing all the towns till he came to Caesarea. He went back and caught that one. He jumped back into Judea. He jumped back into the outskirts of Jerusalem, doing just what he did when he started, telling other people about Jesus. The man never let the experience of being changed by Jesus Christ change his life other than to tell other people about it. Are you changed enough to do that this morning? Are you changed enough to share that everywhere you go? Are you changed enough to fulfill Acts 1-8 in your life? Because it is a command. It's an imperative that we do it. You want to move from survival mode, which most people and churches are in, to revival mode. Just do what Philip did. Tell everybody about Jesus under the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't do that. Uh, I, I can't talk very well. I've got one of my teachers sitting right back here, Beth Cameron. I hated if anybody called on me in class when I was coming up. I hated to miss an opportunity now not to stand in front of people and tell them about Jesus. That has nothing to do with Joey Hamrick. That has everything to do with the power of Jesus Christ. That's nothing to brag on me. That's bragging on him. I can talk to one. I can talk to a million. It doesn't matter because I'm standing under the authority of God and his word through the power of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You if you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You want this church to move from survival mode to revival mode? Get up and get busy with what Jesus has already given you.
understand that your plan, purpose, everything that this church should be about, everything that you should be about is to glorify Him. Understand that the only passion you need to focus on is a passion and a love relationship with Jesus Christ. And understand that that powerful presentation that's boiling up inside of you right now, wanting to tell somebody else, is going to come out through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is going to do the changing. He will make the difference. Nate Saint, one of the famous missionaries that died in Ecuador back in 1953. They were killed by the Aka Indians. It's one of the greatest mission stories that, that exists today. Nate Saint was the pilot that flew for Mission Aviation Fellowship. In 1949, he was laying in a hospital bed following an airplane crash. And he made these words, and I share these words often. The world is dying for want of a Savior, yet so many of us who profess to love him are still living business as usual lives. Cheating ourselves of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? So many of us are living business as usual lives while the world is dying for want of our Savior. What about this church? What about you? Are you living business as usual lives? I'm going to ask you two questions. I'm going to ask you two hard questions, and these are tough to ask. I cringe when I ask them because of the indictment it places upon all of us as believers, but I'm going to ask them because I want you to think heavily. If you want to move from survival mode into revival mode, here's the two questions you have to ask yourself. Number one, who is in hell today because you didn't tell them about Jesus? Who was walking the face of this earth and encountered you and you never said a word and they left this planet not knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior? Question number two. Who are you going to walk by today that may enter eternity tonight without knowing Jesus and spend eternity separated from a Savior that loves them? Do you love Jesus enough to go love somebody else enough? You want to move from survival mode into revival mode? You need to tell them who he is to you. You want this church to explode? You want this community to be, they drive by and they can't help but pull in because they want to know what's going on. You need to understand that your purpose is to glorify him in everything, every breath that you take, every movement that, I'm not going to sing this song, every move that you make. Younger generation have no clue what I was just talking about. How cool is that? Just how old I am. And then you need to understand that your passion is to be about Jesus and him alone. Not what he can do for you, but what he's already done for you. And you begin to deliver that powerful presentation. You will see lives change. And the first one that's going to change is going to be yours. Are you one of those 1% that have shared? Are you one of those 99 plus percent that have never led anybody to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ? That's not from Joey, that's from him. You want to be obedient as a church? You want to move out of that survival mode? Follow Philip's example. And Philip simply did what Jesus did, glorified the Father in all that he did. Father, I love you and I praise you and I thank you. Lord, there's some things that I've asked today that I know you wanted me to ask. And Lord, they're tough, they're indictments upon myself. And Lord, I pray that your spirit is reigning powerful in the hearts of people here today. Lord, during this time of invitation, I ask, Lord, that you do only what you can do. Lord, if there are people here that need salvation, I pray, Lord, that they will come to experience it through you. Lord, if there are people here today that want to join this fellowship, we'll walk with them through that. Lord, if there are people here today that simply want to just get things back right with you in a new and a surrendered relationship, help us, Lord, to be obedient. Father, I praise you and I thank you for what you're going to do in Christ's name.
Amen. This invitation is not for me. I'm going to ask you to stand as the praise team and the youth lead. Two things. You are either going to heaven when you walk out that door today and meet eternity, or you're going to hell. There's no other option. And the only way that you know you're going to heaven, you've got a sold-out, bought-with-blood relationship with Jesus Christ, and you fully understand that. If you don't know that you know that you know, I invite you to come down front and pray with me this morning. I'll get other people to pray with you. Some of you may just need to come pray for those people that God's placed on your heart this morning. Some of you may just need to surrender anew afresh to Him today. Some of you may need to walk across the aisle and, and ask for forgiveness. Some of you may just need to put your arm around somebody. You want to move from survival mode to revival mode? Be obedient.